0: My name is Ann Wu and I'm the Web Director for the Behavioral Science Health Services Research Assembly of the American Thoracic Society. Today's podcast features the team behind the Reliance clinical trial. Our podcast participants include Jerry Krishnan, the principal investigator, Robert Wise, the clinician, Kim Irwin from the Communications Center for the Reliance trial, Alisa Malanga, from the COPD Foundation, and Jean Roms, a COPD patient. Our goal is to see how researchers worked with clinicians and patients to produce a deeply user-centered, PCORI-funded study. Listeners can also go to reliance.org to learn more.
1: Dr. Krishnan,
0: could you tell us a little bit about the trial?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Wu, for this opportunity to talk with you and our listeners RELIANCE uh, stands for reflumilast or azithromycin to prevent COPD exacerbations. And that sounded like a mouthful to us, so we decided to create an acronym and uh, use the word RELIANCE instead. RELIANCE is uh, what we're calling a pragmatic clinical trial to compare the safety and effectiveness of two guideline-recommended medications, Roflumilast, a PDE4 inhibitor, and azithromycin, a commonly used antibiotic that also appears to have anti-inflammatory effects. And we want to know which of those two medications works best when used as part of routine healthcare operations as patients and their clinicians are considering treatment options to reduce subsequent risk of COPD exacerbations. The goal of the RELIANCE study is to enroll up to 3,200 patients who have been hospitalized or a COPD exacerbation in the past 12 months and who are already on inhaled maintenance therapy and that patients and clinicians are looking for treatment intensification options. The primary endpoint of this study is rehospitalization or death.
0: Great, thank you for that background. So research already shows that both drugs, azithromycin and roflumilast, have proven effective in readmissions of COPD patients to the hospital. Why is it important to study both?
1: Absolutely. Thank you again, Dr. Wu, for the opportunity to to explain in further detail the Reliance study. What we know from previous clinical trials is that azithromycin compared to placebo reduces the risk of subsequent COPD exacerbations and likewise, that reflumalast against placebo reduces the risk of COPD exacerbations. What we don't know is whether which of those two medications works better and in for whom. We also don't have clinical trial data level evidence about which of those two medications is particularly effective in reducing readmissions in patients with COPD. So there's a number of unknowns, if you will, about these two medications, and in particular, which one works better than the other. So as we were considering the Reliance study, we had conducted some interviews both with patients and with clinicians about the role of reflumilast and azithromycin in their care. And through some online surveys that we had conducted, we discussed with practicing physicians about their beliefs regarding reflumilast and azithromycin. In a sample of 43 practicing pulmonologists, 91% of them said they used azithromycin or riflumolast, but that nearly half of them indicated they were uncertain about which of those two medications was more effective. Physicians believed that both medications helped to reduce the risk of COPD exacerbations, but they worried the side effects, um, such as gastrointestinal side effects like diarrhea or nausea, or uh, the risk of antibiotic resistance or cardiac dysrhythmias with azithromycin might play into ultimately which of those two medications is most effective in their clinical practice. So we designed a study specifically to address these uncertainties and, and, con- and have designed the study in such a way that we will be able to address which of those two medications when compared to each other will reduce the risk of COPD readmissions and, and deaths.
0: Great, thank you. Reliance is deceivingly simple to explain, but is significant to the research community in multiple ways. So, Dr. Wise, what's new about Reliance that we should be paying attention to?
2: And there are a number of reasons that Reliance should be considered a groundbreaking study. First of all, Reliance is a comparative effectiveness trial. This stands in contrast to the usual type of clinical trial that we call an efficacy trial or an explanatory trial. And what an efficacy trial tries to do is to answer a research question in the real world. So a typical clinical trial will have a very narrow range of participating um, patients usually selected because they're the kind of patients who are thought to respond to the treatment well. And they're usually conducted in a very tightly controlled research environment where things are controlled more than they are in the real clinical uh, context. So when we designed Reliance, we tried to develop a trial that would reflect what happens in clinical practice? And to answer the important question, which treatment is better to prevent exacerbations of COPD, riflumilast, or azithromycin? The second thing that's notable about Reliance is that it's embedded nearly entirely in the context of clinical practice that is to say one of the difficulties in conducting clinical research is that it's very time consuming and very very expensive therefore there're only a limited number of questions that really can be answered to provide the kind of evidence that clinicians need to know how to treat best patients with COPD By embedding the Reliance trial in clinical practice, we hope to not only improve the efficiency of the study, but also to dramatically reduce the costs of the study, and also to reduce the burden of the study on both participants and investigators. What this means in practice is that most of the patients who will be enrolled in Reliance will be enrolled in the context of their usual clinic visits. So when a physician is treating a patient with COPD who might be a candidate for either one of the Reliance treatments, riflumilast or azithromycin, the patient would be approached as to whether they would be willing to participate in this trial. We anticipate that the additional time that the physician would have to spend in order to enroll patients in the trial would be no more than five or ten minutes. Now, this doesn't mean that that's all the time that the patient would be required to spend in the trial because a good deal of thought has gone into how best to inform the patient about what this trial is about. We are also asking patients to participate in the follow-up of the trial in a way that reduces their burden so that patients will be contacted via uh, Internet, or via telephone in order to determine how their outcomes are doing. The third reason that Reliance is a groundbreaking study is that it takes place within the context of PCORnet. This is a data infrastructure that's been developed by PCORI, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. This is a network of informatics hubs that are aligned with clinical sites and that share a common data model so that we can use the information from the electronic medical records of patients in order to find patients who might be good candidates for reliance and also to use this data in a way that we can determine whether they have had hospitalizations and their overall health status. Moreover, PCORnet is aligned with the patient-powered research network, which is a network of patients that is uh, supported by the COPD Foundation, and this is a group of patients who have allowed themselves to be contacted about participation in clinical research. It involves thousands of patients with COPD, and we anticipate that many of these patients will also be interested in participating in Reliance. Therefore, The reason that Reliance is going to be such an important study is that it's a real-world effectiveness study. It's going to be a very efficient study that's grounded in the context of clinical care. And it is also going to make use of this network of electronic health records in order to make the trial more efficient and comprehensive.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Wise. That was really helpful. Alicia Malanga is the Chief Research Officer of the COPD Foundation, a not-for-profit organization led by patients with COPD. Mrs. Malanga, how did you engage patients and caregivers to inform the Reliance study?
3: Uh, Thank you very much. Um, Well, the COPD Foundation is a patient-led organization whose mission is to prevent and cure chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and improve the lives of all individuals affected by COPD. With that in mind, we appreciate that research is critical to this mission, and patient-centered research is an important focus for the COPD Foundation. By including patients and supportive family members in the development of a research study, the patient perspective is integrated into the study from the beginning. We believe that this is an essential component and will ultimately lead to a more meaningful and successful research study. The COPD Foundation is pleased to be among the first not-for-profit organizations to receive support from the Patient Center's Outcome Research Institute, or PCORI, to develop the COPD Patient-Powered Research Network, or as we like to refer to it, the COPD PPRN. The COPD PPRN is a registry currently comprised of nearly 6,000 individuals with COPD or at risk for COPD. Reliance is the first PPRN-led PCORnet study. We are very pleased that Reliance will leverage the COPD PPRN infrastructure for this study. In addition to the COPD PPRN, the COPD Foundation has built COPD 360 Social, an online community with, as of September 2016, over 23,000 members. COPD 360 Social and other COPD educational materials are available to COPD PPRN and Reliance members as resources. The Reliance study is an important study model because the study design and planning included input from patients, and in fact, patients play a scientific role in defining the Reliance study. So, for example, during the development phase for Reliance, we partnered with investigators to identify patients and caregivers to provide study-relevant information. Patients participated in focus groups, and through COPD 360 Social and other COPD Foundation outreach efforts. Patients and caregivers completed an online survey. In fact, we recruited nearly 200 patients and caregivers to complete the survey. In the online survey, both patients and their caregivers expressed considerable interest in collaborating in a trial comparing rifumulast and azithromycin. More broadly, both the focus groups and survey were designed to help Reliance researchers understand the lived experience that patients and their caregivers face when patients with COPD experience an exacerbation. These forms of engagement also helped us to understand what patients look for when making treatment decisions. The COPD Foundation and COPD PPRN are grateful to be part of the Reliance study and very pleased that the information collected through these initial engagement efforts were used in combination with information collected from practicing physicians to design the Reliance trial.
0: So, Jean Ramos is a COPD patient, a member of the COPD Foundation, and patient representative to the Reliance team. Jean, can you say more about what was learned about the experience of COPD patients and caregivers that is important to the study?
4: Well, I I think the biggest thing is that there's a a large group of patients uh, within the COPD community who experience... What we call frequent exacerbations, and exacerbation is basically uh, some worsening of some of their symptoms. Uh, and in some cases, those exacerbations are are relatively mild, and people can get over them at home, maybe take an antibiotic, and and then they're done. Uh, but other patients have a very difficult time with these things, and often will uh, find themselves if they do if they are able to stay at home uh, that they are down for long periods of time, a couple of weeks in in many cases, and then take a long time to recover once the illness is gone. Uh, Sometimes if they end up in the hospital, they end up, well, first they end up in the hospital, which is bad enough, but sometimes they end up in ICU uh, and and really are desperately ill. Uh, And when this happens over and over and over again during the course of a year, where maybe you've been hospitalized as many as six times or even more over the course of a year, then that creates all kinds of issues, both for patients and also for their caregivers. Uh, and for one thing, it's, it's frightening to be in the hospital, and it's doubly frightening when you can't breathe, uh, and, and then to feel like you never really get well and you're never really able to do the things that – everybody else can do. Uh, people wonder, they're, they're thinking you're going to die. Um, and, and, and for caregivers, it gets to be very, very difficult. I mean, many people with COPD are, are older, and caregivers spend a great deal of time uh, with, with their, their loved ones in doctor's offices, trying to find new treatments, uh, spending time visiting them in the hospital, the worry and all the other things. And particularly as people are ill, they're able to do less and less for themselves. So the caregiver finds themselves doing more and more and more. The, the burden of this on, on both patients and families is huge. And so part of what, what we've, we've learned through all of this uh, is that it's really important in the research to first of all find medications that will help reduce exacerbations, and we're very lucky in in one sense in the COPD world because we do have two treatments uh, that do that both have been demonstrated to reduce exacerbations and to to well at least to reduce exa- reduce the time between exacerbations. So the people actually have a chance to feel like they are better and, and in many cases feel like they really are well for a period of time uh, and they're much more able to do things for themselves, the caregiver gets more breaks, uh, everything just seems to work a lot better. So, but what we don't know about these two, these two treatments is we really don't know which one works best. And we don't know which one works best for which people uh, with COPD. So all of those things are things that have, have really uh, kind of focused what we're doing, what we're trying to do with the Reliance
0: study. That's great. That's really helpful, and it really does sound very difficult for the caregiver and the patient. And how did the COPD really it, yeah, it, yeah, is. Yeah, it, it, really, it does. really is. Yeah. yeah. Uh and you know, I, I have a
4: number of friends who are who are caregivers and uh I think what they experience in many respects is almost well, it's as bad in a different way as what the the patient actually
0: experienced. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's something that every that isn't evident to everybody uh right away. Um, And, Jean, how did the COPD Foundation research translate into patient-centered research?
4: Well, the the COPD Foundation has always been a patient-centered entity. It was founded by a patient. Uh, And for many years, a patient was the uh, president and CEO and definitely the, in in many cases and and many of us, Felt that he was kind of the face of COPD to the world, especially to the scientists, to the researchers, to the government entities, uh, and and to and certainly to the COPD community. He was the face of COPD. He was wow. the one who was the impatient patient uh, who was after everybody to do as much as possible to find a cure. Uh, so, so the COPD Foundation really has always been a patient-centered entity, uh, and there have always been patients who have been involved in all of the parts of of the COPD Foundation. So it's not it's not unusual or or different that when the COPD Foundation begins to get into research that it very much is patient-centered research <clears throat> and. It's not at all. It, it's not at all surprising that when the uh, when PCORI, the Patient Centered Research Outcomes Institute, uh, was established by the Ameri- by the Affordable Care Act, uh, that that was one of the entities that the COPD Foundation very quickly got involved with uh, because they were doing research that involved patients. They were looking at the things that. Patients were concerned about, uh, and that was their that essentially is their that's their, their mission, uh, that's their task, that's what the Affordable Care Act said, you need to do this kind of stuff, and so part of, of you know the things that, that PCORI stands for are very much in line with all of the things that that the that, that the foundation stands for, so when we started to do uh, when the foundation started to do research, they started with, with, first of all, with scientists who've been involved with us for some time. So they're very aware of the um, importance of involving patients. Uh, when, we do, when we do research studies, very often there are focus groups uh, and other kinds of groups of patients that the researchers meet with to try to talk about the issue to talk about what some of the problems are with it and then to help them determine how can we best set this research study up so that it really meets the needs of the patients and we can do this in kind of a, we, we can do this in a real world sort of, of mode as opposed to the very sterile clinical um, kinds of things that you very often see in, in trials. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was interesting. I was speaking with my retinologist the other day, uh, who's aware of all my work with, with COPD, and he wanted to know uh, what, a, what I was working on. And I explained my involvement with Reliance to him and what we were kind of doing and some of the real-world issues that we were dealing with. And he said, you know, that's the kind of research that we really need to do because, and in my field, he said, we run into this all the time they do a clinical trial on a on a medication that you know works beautifully for everybody in the clinical trial but it's because the medication was given to them they didn't have to pay for it nobody looked at any of the other kinds of issues the real world issues that people are faced with every day when they're trying to make decisions about what kind of medication they need or what they can what they can afford to fill uh, he said, what you guys are doing
0: is great. So it's, you know, I'm, that really made me feel good. Yes, and I, <laughs> I agree. It, what it, you're doing is really important and it's new. Not, not a lot of people are doing it at this point. You know, so it, it
4: really is, I, I was glad to hear that from somebody in a different field who recognized as a practitioner that, you know, there are all kinds of real-world experiences that that people uh, have when they're trying to make these kinds of decisions. So, you know, so when we're looking at the kinds of things that we involve patients in, you know, we're trying to involve patients in as many aspects of this as we possibly can, uh, first of all, in determining how do we set the research up so that the patient really wants to participate in it? Uh, and and how can we how can we be as transparent as possible about, uh, some of the, the real-world issues, um, you know, some of the, the side effects of the medication. Every medication has side effects, and we need to make sure that people understand what some of those are and that we want them to stay with the trial as long as they can. But if they can't tolerate those, then that's okay. as we don't want to make side effects or the, the uh, anticipation of side effects be a reason that people don't participate. We want to make sure that that they understand that they don't have to stick with this god awful thing that's making them do awful stuff. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, no, for, that you know makes
4: forever. Sense. So that's one thing. You know, we also want to make sure that that they understand that this really is designed to try to find out what kinds of patients each of these meds works best for. Uh, you know. So we're looking at. In some cases, we have people who are who quit smoking years ago, and so we want to know, or, or never smoked uh, with COPD. Uh, but then we have people who maybe are recent quitters, uh, or people who have who may may still be smoking. And you know, are these meds going to work better for one group of or of those patients or another? So that kind of thing is always very important. And trying to make sure that, that the, uh, uh, the, the clinicians who are going to be enrolling people have all of the tools that they need to clearly discuss this with their patients uh, in a very, you know, uh, meaningful kind of manner to make sure that everybody knows what, what, their, um, what the possibilities are. But I think that one of the biggest things uh, to tell patients is that these two meds, both of them, have definitely been proven to make a difference in how many exacerbations people have. I would think that is, and, and if I were having frequent exacerbations, particularly if I were landing in the hospital on a regular basis, that's one thing that if there was something that would stop that, I would be all over it.
0: Wow, wow, great. Great, thank you so much, Jean. This has been really helpful, and thank you for not only participating in this podcast, but also uh, being a big part of the COPD Foundation and the Reliance trial. Let's return to this notion that Reliance is more than just a patient-centered trial, that it's a multi-stakeholder trial. Kim Irwin is an assistant professor with the IIT Institute of Design and applies design methods to produce user-centered experiences. Kim, in pragmatic terms, what does it mean for Reliance to be multi-stakeholder?
5: Well, one known problem in trial design is the successful recruit and retention of patients. At its core, recruitment is really a multi-stakeholder system, and therefore it's a multi-stakeholder system design problem. The question for Reliance, then, is how can we design a recruitment process and the tools to support it that fit the real world conditions that everybody in the front lines uh, lives in. So that means understanding the activities and needs of patients and caregivers on the one hand, but also the frontline clinicians and site coordinators because the burden of recruitment really falls disproportionately to them. So uh, our research showed that depending on the sector, 50% of funded trials fail because they don't recruit and retain enough participants. So for Reliance, this was an important component to rethink, and part of the reason they asked me to participate. For example, we wanted Reliance recruitment to fit within routine clinic visits. So as a team, we visited practicing uh, clinicians in their clinics to understand the site-level resources that they have and their workflows. And as we moved across sites, we could see pretty quickly that clinic design, workflows, and patient flows vary from clinic to clinic. Uh, When you've seen one clinic, you've seen one clinic. But there is a common thread that unites them, and that is that clinics are not really set up for prolonged engagement. Uh, Exam rooms must turn over quickly. Clinicians don't really own their own exam spaces. And so uh, small things like storing study materials or even being able to post, talk to information to use to recruit patients, it's really not feasible for them. These rooms are a lot more like bus stops than offices. Um, Additionally, we noticed that the physical environment uh, is very limited. So uh, there's limited desk space and chairs are awkwardly configured. They don't face each other, for example. And so this is not really supportive of a doctor and a patient reviewing uh, documents together or even a computer-based website, both of which ideally you might want for consent processes. And in summary, I would say that um, clinics are a lot more like MASH units. Uh, staff are constantly in motion and they're asked to work in a provisional fashion. And it's really an inhospitable environment for personalized care. And more importantly, um, on the workflow side, we heard from clinicians very clearly that their processes for handling exams is already maxed out. They don't want more screen time. So asking them, for instance, to switch portals to be able to enroll patients um, is sort of a non-starter for them. Their tolerance for enrollment processes, uh, we very explicitly asked each person, what's your threshold, ranged from between one minute to uh, five minutes because visits, in their opinion and their experience, um, are already too short effectively treat patients for their primary issues, never mind add on a recruitment process. As one clinician put it, what we need is click, click, randomize, done. And that's become our target uh, for enrollment design, and we're working towards that. And part of going into the clinic environment um, also causes us to scrap a number of initial ideas for patient and clinician support materials. And we're now moving towards a more self-contained, portable study, um, set of study supports that we're calling study in a pocket, something that a clinician or site coordinator uh, could fit into their lab coat pocket.
0: Okay. Uh- Summarizing what's been said so far, you've engaged clinicians to understand their uncertainty about how to respond to the need for treatment intensification. You've engaged COPD patients and caregivers to understand how to make reliance communications, measures, and dissemination strategies that are relevant to them and you've engaged frontline clinicians to inform the design of Reliance enrollment processes and tools so that they fit with the realities of standard care. Is there anything else that makes Reliance important, Dr. Krishnan?
1: Absolutely. Um, COPD is the number three killer in the United States after cancer and heart disease, but it's vastly underfunded and understudied. And COPD is different from cancer or heart disease because COPD can take decades to progress, and that time is filled with uncertainty for everyone, patients, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, caregivers, and other stakeholders. Clinicians are faced with uncertainty when encountering a patient with COPD who is looking for additional treatment options, and patients can spend years looking out their window uncertain about leaving home to go to work or when they go visit their grandchild for a birthday party, and possibly worried about whether or not if they catch a cold, whether that will progress to a COPD exacerbation. Caregivers told us that watching a parent struggle with COPD solidifies the uncertainty of life in general because it can rapidly progress into a breathing attack that people call a COPD exacerbation. So the Reliance study is really intended to address these uncertainties, and we have Engaged patients, caregivers, and clinicians in the design of the study so that it addresses the kinds of uncertainties that they have and addresses endpoints that people care about. Reliance is the largest COPD study ever funded by PCORI, and it's a significant opportunity to improve the lives of generations of people, especially when you include the impact of COPD on families and patients. Engaging patients and caregivers in the design of the study has helped researchers like me and others design a study that actually addresses their needs. And I'm very grateful to all of them who have participated in helping make Reliance a study that could help answer questions they consider important.
0: Thank you very much. So today we have learned about the Reliance trial and we've heard about why it's important to study both drugs. We've learned about how the team engaged patients and caregivers to help inform the Reliance study um, and to learn about the actual experience of a COPD patient who thought this study was important. We also learned how the COPD Foundation research translated into patient-centered research, and we are very thankful for all of the participants. Thanks very much.